Amen. What a blessing to be here today. Let me just uh, also, Dad just came up and uh, remember Taylor Mallory. Uh, he'll be deployed to Syria, I think, in three weeks. Let's just stop and, and uh, have prayer. Brother Mark Kirkendall, would you just lead us in prayer for not only Taylor, but all of the guys who are, are, are in places now? Amen. Amen. Turn, if you would, to the fourth chapter of the book of Joshua. We're in Joshua, but if you are regular here, you know we're down to chapter 16 or so. But I'm going to do a little backtracking. Uh, this is a tremendous uh, chapter. All of Joshua is tremendous. There, there are cemeteries all around us. They've got stones there. Those are to remind us of those people. Uh, one of the highlights of my ministry uh, was to go to Arlington National Cemetery and uh, preach the funeral there of Brother Ken Canfield. Uh, 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 it was a blessing to me. Martha said, you mean you'd go all the way to Washington? I said, Martha, no one will keep me from being there that day. And I, I, know, I remember the day I woke up at the hotel and I thought, oh, no. You know, I didn't read all about all of this. Usually when it's snowing or something, you know, they may postpone or they may just do it all. And I got there and he said, Pastor, most, most times when it's snowing here, we just kind of have it here in the, in, the, in the little chapel area and we don't go out to the grave. And uh, Miss Martha, I talked with her and she was all for it. I said, no, we're going to the grave. We, we, we're going to walk in the snow behind the horses pulling the carriage and we're going to have a hallelujah time. And I tell you, I have never forgotten uh, that great memory there uh, in, Washington, in Arlington National Cemetery. There's one place I want to go, though, so bad. I, I want to go to the beaches of Normandy and see those, those stones of those guys who just kept going and kept going and kept going. These stones remind us of things. Uh, I, I always loved the story of the three dear old widow women living together. And one sister got up to go to bed and she got about halfway up the stairs. And she said, I, I don't remember if I was going up or coming down. And one of the old, old sisters said, you were going up to bed. So she, oh, thank you. She went on up. The other one got up and was uh, headed to the kitchen to make herself a sandwich. And once in the kitchen, she hollered back at the other Sister, and she said, uh, what did I come in here for? And she responded again, you, you went in to make yourself a sandwich. And then she said, I'm so glad that I'm not as forgetful as both of y'all are. And she knocked on the end of the table, got up, went to the door, said, who's, who's there? 
It's easy for us to forget. But it, Memorial Day is a time to remember. And we definitely want to remember what's happened in our country and the men that gave his, their life for our country. But I want to tell you, we don't want to be short on the fact that Jesus is the one we really owe everything to today. He is the one who died on Calvary. He's the one that went in a barred tomb. He rose from the dead, and uh, we praise him today. Joshua chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? <clears throat> the Bible says it came to pass, when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, every one out of every tribe, man, and command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you. Leave them in a lodging place, and you'll lodge there tonight. Joshua called the twelve men who had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And he said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan. Take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this might be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Then verse 9 says, Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests stood, bare the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. Then look down, if you would, at verse 19. The people came up out of Jordan, on the tenth day of the first month, encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho, those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, what mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you, until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Father, thank you this morning for your word. May it speak to us in a special way today. And uh, Lord, may you be honored and glorified. May lives be saved this morning, families put back together, folks healed. Lord, you do it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> of course, the, what they call Decoration Day started back three years after the Civil War. Uh, my brother and I probably, I don't know, maybe somebody else here has got an old family too, but our grandfather fought in the Civil War. Not, not my great-grandfather, but my grandfather fought in the Civil War. And so he was shot in the hip at Atlanta. I don't know if he was running. 
or I'm, I'm hoping that the enemy was coming in on the backside of him and he got shot that way. I have no idea. I just know he got shot in the hip in the Battle of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so so the three years afterwards, some ladies started putting flowers on the graves of some Confederate mothers. And uh, then they went on through Congress and they called it Decoration Day. A lot of cemeteries, Union Springs is meeting today where we're from up at Corrigan. And, and uh, they meet there uh, on Memorial Day and all of that weekend there. The Bible is full of memorials. And while we dare not forget the memorials of statehood, we dare not forget the, immor- the memorials of our eternal home. Uh, one is going to help us here on this earth. Thank God for the men and women who gave their life so America could contain and re- be free. But thank God in heaven above that the people uh, are able to submit to a Lord and Savior who gave his life so we could have eternity uh, with him. Now, you've got the picture here in the scripture, the children of Israel, they've been to Egypt. Moses led them out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. God opens up the Red Sea. They go through on dry ground. And uh, then God closes it up, destroys the entire Egyptian army. And then Moses is going to die up on top of Mount Nebo. And uh, Joshua is made the predecessor of Moses. He comes after and he leads. And they've wandered in the wilderness now 40 years. Uh, There's been uh, 40 years they've been looking for the promised land. And uh, Moses did and Mount Nebo, they buried him. Now the scripture says, Joshua, take my people across the Jordan River into Canaan. Now we don't hear a whole lot about the Jordan River because the Red Sea seems to be a lot more exciting. But I want to tell you, God did the same thing at the Jordan River that he did at the Red Sea. It's the same miracle. They took the Ark of the Covenant when they stepped in the water. You go back to chapter 3 of Joshua and literally the water stood up on heat. Now, I don't know, you know, we talked about this. It's been a long time ago. You can make hay stand on heap, and you can make bricks stand on heap, and you can make a lot of, but I've never seen anybody make water stand on heap. But that's exactly what God did here. Uh, and so he said, send the 12 men down there, get stones. They're good-sized stones. We're not talking about little rocks. they got them on their back. They bring them up to Gilgal. And then uh, he said, go back again and take those 12 stones, get 12 more, and build an altar there in the middle of the Jordan River. Now I'm thinking, good grief, why would you build an altar in the middle of the Jordan River? When the water comes down, nobody's going to see it. It's going to be hidden. Oh, but I want to tell you, uh, that is literally uh, uh, what Jesus has done for us. You see, uh, uh, when you get these stones and uh, your children are asking, what mean these stones? You're able to tell them, God brought us out of Egypt. God brought us here. He crossed the the, uh, River Jordan with us. And let me tell you something, friend. Just because you can't see those stones in that Jordan River doesn't mean they're not there. I think they're still there. You say, what does that have to do with us today? Well, let me tell you. You cannot see Jesus hanging on a cross, but he did it. You can't see Jesus' blood flowing down that hill, but it did. You, you can't see Jesus being placed in a borrowed tomb, but he was. You can't see Jesus rising up from that tomb three days later, but he did. 
You can't see Jesus ascending into heaven 40 days later, but he did. Just because you can't see it don't mean it's not so. And so these stones represent Jesus. Listen, the scripture says in Psalm 103, hear the word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that was within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and, uh, and forget not none of his benefits. Here they are. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I want to tell you, don't forget the benefits of God. Is there anybody here this morning God's been good to? Amen. Hey, God has been good to this church. We go back and we see what God has done. Don't forget the benefits of God because God has done great things. He's been good to us. Uh, I was talking to some police officers here a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and uh, uh, when I was getting ready to leave the little area where we were, one of the police officers says, uh, 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 I, I want to ask you something. How do you do it week after week? How do you get up and preach week after week after week? How do you do that? And I said, well, you know, I'll answer your question. But my question to you, sir, is how do you get in that car every day and do what you do every day? Knowing that, I mean, you know, man, 20 years ago, somebody's speeding, they were doing 45. Uh, you know, that was speeding back then. Uh, you just wrote a ticket and went on. But these guys now who are serving our police and sheriffs and deputies and all, they have no idea what's in that car when they stop that car. I mean, they have no idea, no earthly idea. Now, I went on to tell him, I do what I do because of the grace of God and the mercy of God. That's the only way. And your prayers, that's the only way. But listen, it's all on God. He said, you stack up some stones and you never forget it. And uh, let me give you just three points. It's going to be short because we've got a lot of stuff to do today. But the first thing I see here that's pointed out is he says, remember, God is faithful. Remember, God is faithful. Uh, you shall inform your children saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you had crossed. It is God that made the way. God's been faithful. Now we're over in the 16th chapter of Joshua on our regular study, and we realize that it hadn't been the people of Israel who've been fighting these battles. It's been the Lord who's been fighting these battles. He's the one who's lined it all up. He's the one who's done it. And he said, don't forget when in the middle of the verse in 23, it said, he did it at the Red Sea. He did it at the Jordan River. He's faithful. Don't you forget it. Sometimes it's easy to forget. Sometimes we get spiritual amnesia in the church. And we've forgotten what God has done time and time and time again. And, and raised up people. And some of the problem is, is because I'm going to tell you, some of you think you're somebody. But I want to tell you, in this room here today, uh, there's a bunch of sinners and crooks and drunks and self-sufficient, egotistical people. That's what we are in this room. And the only thing we got to brag on this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you take him out of the picture and you, you nobody. I know that hurts your ego, but I'm just telling you, 
You're nobody. Huh. And honestly, the one who is more self-sufficient is probably the biggest sinner out of all of them. You remember in the Bible where he beat his chest and said, Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like they are. Wow. Woodland Hills can die as dead as a hammer if we ever forget where the blessings come from. They come from God. They don't come from a pastor. They don't come from smart planning. They don't come from ingenuity. They don't come from a, 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 a ability. They come from God. When we have baptism, it reminds us that Jesus died and rose again. When we have the Lord's Supper, it reminds us memorially that Jesus gave his body and the blood that flowed freely on Calvary. You say, preacher, I was wondering, why don't we do that every week? Well, I just have this crazy notion that if you do something every week, you get to where you don't celebrate it. It becomes happenstance. I mean, do you, do you get up in the morning and say, praise the Lord for toothpaste? I mean, you brush your teeth every morning. I hope you do. If you don't, carry you some of these things. Reach over and give one to your neighbor. Say, you probably need this. The kids are going to say, Daddy, what do these stones mean? Can't you see them walking through Gilgal? What do these stones mean? Son, these stones really sum it all up. means that God is faithful. God is faithful. Our forefathers were over in Egypt in bondage and sin and slavery, and God released them and saved them through the Red Sea. <laughs> I heard a preacher not far from here, and I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's going to get out anyway. I got up and left the service. A couple of preachers were there. They said, Noticed you left. I said, Yeah, I was sick. I got sick. Just had to get out. I was sick of listening to that preacher is what it was. <laughs> I sat there in that place and heard this preacher say that there's no, there was no big fish that swallowed Joshua, uh, uh, Jonah. Well, that was metaphorically speaking. It's not there. And he went down through a couple other things. I thought, Lord, I got to get out of here. If I don't get out of here, I'm going to sure enough make a fool of myself. Right here. You realize we've got churches that will not preach the word of God? That don't believe this word? <laughs> if we ever stop believing the miraculous words of this scripture, we're on our way out. People say, well, I just can't believe that. Well, God bless you. Who made you God? You're not God? Well, People say, well, I'm, I'm smart, and I've come up against some smart ones. I'm not real smart. They can, man, they can wipe me down, just flatten me out. And I'll just kindly say, well, one of these days, you're going to be dead smart. You're alive smart right now, but one of these days, you're going to be dead smart. And when you're dead smart, based on your ideas right now, you're going to be dumb, and you're going to be in trouble. That's all you can say. What do these stones mean? It means God's faithful. God's faithful. 
Let me give you the second thing. Joshua, don't forget. Don't forget that God is faithful. That's what these stones represent. But also, don't forget that the world is lost. People around us are lost. Nobody wants to own up to that anymore. Verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. The Girgashite, the Hivite, the Hittite, the Canaanite, that everybody in here would know, friend, that we live in a lost world. People are going to hell on every side of us. And we dare not let people walk in this church and walk out without being confronted with the gospel. I mean, it's one thing that we've gotten too lazy to go out and try to reach people. But bless God, at least when they come in a church, they ought to know they've been with Jesus. The Bible says we're the light. We're the salt. We're the witness. I love what Isaiah said. He was a Baptist. The Lord said, I've got things to do. Who am I going to send? Isaiah said, here am I, send me, Lord. Now, this is how I know he's Baptist. Lord, how long am I going to have to go? Huh? Read it in Isaiah. Lord, how long? I mean, are we talking about a week in Haiti? Or are you talking about moving me to Haiti? Woo! Yeah. You say, well, God would never move me to Haiti. Well, what makes you so special? We've got missionaries all over this world that have... Well, well, I've got children. We've got missionaries that kids have been born in Africa and India and all over this world. Who do we think we are that God can't touch us and use us in Haiti or India or Nepal, anywhere in this world? People are lost. They're without Christ. In, in August, we're going to have a major thing. I don't want to give it all away here. But we're going to have the most major uh, soul-winning campaign we've ever had in this church. Because people are lost without Christ. And I'm going to ask you to give up some Saturday mornings. And already somebody's saying, Lord, it's going to be hot in August. It's hot when you go watch the Aggies play too, but you still sit there. I could get a little deeper if I need to. You see, crossing the Red Sea they're coming out of slavery. They're coming from slavery. They're from, amen? They've been delivered. But crossing the Jordan River, they've come from something from the Red Sea, but now they've been saved to something across the Jordan River. And that too is fulfillment of life. Holy Ghost-filled life. Most people I know, I have to throw myself in there too, uh, we're living in the wilderness. We got saved. We know we got saved. When did you get saved? I remember 1939, I got saved. Hallelujah, that's great. But you're still just a baby because no one's ever discipled you and you've never built that relationship with Jesus Christ <clears throat> and the Word of God and you've never really understood there's victory in Jesus. Man, I want to tell you, they lived in the wilderness 40 years. They all died. But when they crossed Jordan, they just got across Jordan to Gilgal. The first thing they did, the Bible says, was eat of the fruit of the land. No more manna. Now, before we get too tough, I know manna was self-sustaining and it is wonderful when you don't have nothing. Manna's all right. 
It's kind of like you go to the cabinet, going to make yourself maybe a good potted meat sandwich, but you don't have no potted meat. All there are are sardines. They're not good, but if that's all you got, they're all right. But after 40 years of manna, they're eating of the fruit of the land. They've moved over into the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. And they started eating. The manna's gone. You'll find them walking here in the fullness of God's grace and mercy. My last thing, listen to me. You got to remember God is faithful. You got to remember that people are lost. I'm talking about your family. Those who are lost, do you know if Jesus comes right now, you'll never see them again? I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about people you work with. You'll never have another opportunity to witness to them. You say, well, preacher, if I witness to them, they get mad. That's wonderful. Most Christians in this place have gotten glad after they got mad. But you can't get glad till you get mad. You got to know you're lost in order to want to be saved. Third thing, you got to die to yourself. Whoo, this is tough. Die to yourself. We honor those today who've died in giving their life for our country. And, 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 and I know, you know, there, there's some things when you look at, at, at just being in a battle and a soldier gets killed. You know, that, that's, that's one thing to me. But I tell you, when you think about like the beaches of Normandy and, and know through history those guys have been mowed down just one after the other and they still kept coming off of those ships. They still kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. Why would they do that? Well, they were dying to themselves and saying, God, what you want, what this country wants, I'll be willing to do it. That's Memorial Day for the Christian. You want to know Memorial Day for the, I mean, for the American, a Memorial Day for the Christian starts in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. See, many of you in this place today, you're saved. But the real truth is, sin's got you by the neck. You got just enough of Jesus to be miserable. Not living in the fullness. Some of you are angry at the church. Talk with people all the time. I'm mad at the church. Well, the church didn't do that to you. It's always one person. It's usually the preacher. Sometimes it's just because you're mean and want to be that way. You'll never have victory until you die to yourself. It really doesn't want. I was in a meeting Tuesday with some pastors and, and just sharing some things. And we were going through all this stuff together. And one of the young men raised his hand and said, Brother Charles, I understand what you're talking about. But you're in a big church. You've got staff. You've got people who will work. You've got finances. You've got everything. And I said, do you think I've always had everything? 
Hey, I know what it's like to take a commode off at the floor and reach down in that thing and pull out a magazine that one of y'all's little nine-year-old kids has rammed down that toilet. I know, amen? I know what that's like. I know what it's like to mow the yard. I know, hey, quit telling me what you would do if you had something. I believe God wants to know what are we going to do with what we have. God has blessed us. And the thing we need to overcome is the victory of my life is not about me. It's about Jesus. When I die to myself, all I can do is clap my boots together in the morning and say, here's private reporting for duty. Whatever you have for me to do. Now, I've got a calendar that's already full. But I want to tell you, when God says do this, I just mark that calendar off. ever had anybody tell you, I'd come to church, but I don't feel welcome. I just don't feel welcome. Hmm. Well, bless God, get over your feelings. It's not about your feelings. I, I, I didn't feel, let me tell you, if I walked by feeling, I wouldn't be here this morning. I woke up about 5.30 and I thought, I just need to call Brother Case and let him preach today. It's not on feelings. Uh-uh. You get in the Word of God and you read yourself full and you get on your knees and pray yourself full and then God says, let's go burn. Let's go get them. It's not feelings. Go ahead and die and you'll be all right. You'll be amazed at what Jesus would do if you'd go ahead and die. For me, it was... <clears throat> As an eight-year-old boy at First Baptist Church, Corrigan, sitting on the third row during a revival meeting on Wednesday night, I gave my life to Jesus. But I want to tell you, nine years, 10 years, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, I was wandering in the wilderness. It wasn't until 17 that I got a hold of this concept about I've got to die to myself. I thought we're just supposed to do the best we can. That's what I've been told all my life. Do your best. No, you don't do your best. You die and let Jesus do his work. I'm crucified with Christ, Galatians says. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, what a tremendous blessing. See, I don't do what I do to make you smile. I don't do what I do to make my wife happy or say, well done. I don't, I don't do that. Now, I'll be honest with you. I like it when you smile. And I like it when my wife grabs my hand in the car when we get out. She don't do it every Sunday. But occasionally, she'll say that was a good job. I like that. I like that. But I want to tell you, when you die to yourself, there's really only one that you're really concerned about. And that is, Lord, what do you think about the day? What do you think about my life? What do you think about what I'm doing? What do you think about what I've got planned this week? Daddy, what do these stones mean? 
bottom line is this. We fear God more than we fear man. Hmm. There are times when I get in the flesh and say, God, I, I, I need to help you out. You ever been there? God said, just sit down over here and just take you. What is that, what is that he tells me to take? A Xanax. Sit down over there and take you a Xanax. Valium, it all works the same way. Just relax. God says, I've got this. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a mode to fight? And God said, just sit down over here and be quiet. Here you are having to walk around, wanting to fight. And God said, sit down over here and just, I'll take care of it. Don't you know when old Joshua said, Man, we're going to attack Jericho. Don't you know he said, get the horses and chariots ready. Sharpen up your spears and swords and get, the, get the, everything ready. We're going in for the kill. And suddenly God says, no, we're not going to do it that way. You're going to go down and march seven times, one time a day. On that seventh day, you're going to march seven times. And I'll take care of everything else. He said, say What? Your plan, God, is to march around that city? That's all you've got in your repertoire? God says, I'll take care of it. Remember that first point? God's faithful. He took care of it. <laughs> Gilgal is a place for recommitment, readjustment, revitalizations. Uh, man, we got to cross Jordan to get there. And then when we get there... We've got to disciple. We've got to understand why we're there. Listen, no, nobody in this building will convince me that Jesus died on a cross so you could get by in life. The scripture says he wants us to have not only just life, but abundant life. He wants you to be happy in life, joyful in life. And that will only come when you're dead to yourself and you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Gilgal means our approach, reproach has been removed. We're ready to enter the promised land. Hmm. Let me just close out with this one story I read about. I didn't even know this. Taj Mahal, one of the most beautiful, costly tombs that was ever built. Uh, Something fascinating. In 1629, the favorite wife, hallelujah, the favorite wife <laughs> of an Indian ruler, Shah Jahan, died. And he ordered that a magnificent tomb be built as a memorial for her. And so he, the, the, the Shah placed his wife's casket right there in the middle. And they started building the, the Taj Mahal all around her. It was going to be the most beautiful thing in all of the world. And literally, several years into the venture, his grief gave way to a passion for the project. And he just wanted to build the most beautiful building, magnificent building that had ever been built. One day while he was surveying the sites, he stumbled over a wooden box. And he had some workers take that wooden box and take it out and throw it out of the way. It was months 
before he realized that that was his wife's casket. The purpose for the memorial became useless because she wasn't there anymore. (laughs) She's out in a trash heap somewhere. Wow. I just want to caution you this morning on Memorial Day. For America, don't forget what God has done for America. God has blessed America. I'm not telling you America is righteous or any of that. I'm not telling you. I'm just telling you God has blessed America. He's been faithful to America. But on the spiritual side of it, don't forget that God has blessed you and me. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. You're saying, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of the Red Sea. I'm over here in Egypt. Well, let me tell you this. You can't build on discipleship unless, first of all, you get that foundation right. So the first thing you need to do is say, Lord, I come as a sinner, and I can't save myself. Nobody else can save me. Lord, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I don't know exactly what's up, but I'm telling you this. I want to want you to forgive me of my sin and I'm dying to myself so that you can be my Lord and you know what he'll do (laughs) according to the Bible not your feelings I don't feel saved that's all right get over it according to Romans 10 13 whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved some of you need to do that this morning ought to be the first one down the aisle some of you this morning, though, you, you know you're saved. You're just not living in the fullness that God wants you to live in. And that'll never happen until you bring your burdens and all of your egos and all of your self-motivation and lay it at the altar and say, Lord, I'm dead. You take me now and use me however you want to. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen when you do that. Could I go ahead and tell you? There are going to be some holy rollers in this church that are going to say, what an idiot. But I'll tell you what, remember, we're only trying to please one. We're not trying to please anybody in this church. I don't know about you, but I, and I thank God you pat me on the back and love me. I mean, you know, you love everybody. But I tell you, to hear my Savior say, well done, it's where it's at. Would you bow your head, please? Lord, we're grateful you've given us this Sunday to worship. Thank you for how we've been blessed in the music. Our thoughts have been lifted up. And Lord, thank you for those men and women who've given their life for this country. But at the same time, Lord, our hearts have been turned toward heaven. And we're reminded again today of what you've done for us. And it's not just everyday business. Lord, you save You want to save people today. Lord, would they come and and you save them. Lord, there are others here that just need to, to, to say, I want to live in the fullness of my life, salvation. Only through Christ can we do that. So God, I ask you, have your way right now. I pray for Christians that they'll lead the way. These altars would be full of people who'd be praying. Lord, maybe some daddies who's got some little bitty children Maybe they need to come down and say, Lord, my kids one of these days are going to say, Daddy, why are we going to church? Why, why are people being baptized? Why do we pray? Why is all this happening? Oh, dear Daddy, you better be ready to answer that. 
because that future of that child rests on that. Lord, have your way today. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Two, amen. <laughs> what a blessing to be here today. Let me just uh, also, Dad just came up and uh, remember Taylor Mallory. Uh, he'll be deployed to Syria, I think, in three weeks. Let's just stop and, and uh, have prayer. Brother Mark Kirkendall, would you just lead us in prayer for not only Taylor, but all of the guys who are, are, are in place too, amen? <laughs> what a blessing to be here today. Let me just uh, also, Dad just came up and uh, remember Taylor Mallory. Uh, he'll be deployed to Syria, I think, in three weeks. Let's just stop and, and uh, have prayer. Brother Mark Kirkendall, would you just lead us in prayer for not only Taylor, but all of the guys who are, are, are in places now? Amen. Amen. Turn, if you would, to the fourth chapter of the book of Joshua. We're in Joshua, but if you are regular here, you know we're down to chapter 16 or so. But I want to do a little backtracking. Uh, this is a tremendous uh, chapter. All of Joshua is tremendous. There, there are cemeteries all around us. They've got stones there. Those are to remind us of those people. Uh, one of the highlights of my ministry uh, was to go to Arlington National Cemetery and uh, preach the funeral there of Brother Ken uh, uh, Canfield. Uh, it was a blessing to me. Martha said, you mean you'd go all the way to Washington? I said, Martha, no one will keep me from being there that day. And I, I, know, I remember the day I woke up at the hotel and I thought, oh, no. You know, I didn't read all about all of this. Usually when it's snowing or something, you know, they may postpone or they may just do it all. And I got there and he said, Pastor, most, most times when it's snowing here, we just kind of have it here in the, in, the, in the little chapel area and we don't go out to the grave. And uh, Miss Martha, I talked with her and she was all for it. I said, no, we're going to the grave. We, we, we're going to walk in the snow behind the horses pulling the carriage and we're going to have a hallelujah time. And I tell you, I have never forgotten uh, that great memory there uh, in, Washington, in Arlington National Cemetery. There's one place I want to go, though, so bad. I, I want to go to the beaches of Normandy and see those, those stones of those guys who just kept going and kept going and kept going. These stones remind us of things. Uh, I, I always loved the story of the three dear old widow women living together. And one sister got up to go to bed and she got about halfway up the stairs and 
She said, I, I don't remember if I was going up or coming down. And one of the old sisters said, you were going up to bed. So she said, oh, thank you. She went on up. The other one got up and was uh, headed to the kitchen to make herself a sandwich. And once in the kitchen, she hollered back at the other sister. And she said, uh, what did I come in here for? And she responded again, you, you went in to make yourself a sandwich. And then she said, I'm so glad that I'm not as forgetful as both of y'all are. And she knocked on the end of the table, got up, went to the door, said, who's, who's there? <laughs> it's easy for us to forget. But it, Memorial Day is a time to remember. And we definitely want to remember what's happened in our country and the men that gave his, their life for our country. But I want to tell you, we don't want to be short on the fact that Jesus is the one we really owe everything to today. He is the one who died on Calvary. He's the one that went in a barred tomb. He rose from the dead, and uh, we praise him today. Joshua chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? <clears throat> the Bible says it came to pass, when all the people were clean, pass over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, every one out of every tribe, man, and command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you. Leave them in a lodging place, and you'll lodge there tonight. Joshua called the twelve men who had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And he said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan. Take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this might be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Then verse 9 says, Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests stood, there the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. Then look down, if you would, at verse 19. The people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. Those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, what mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Father, thank you this morning for your word. May it speak to us in a special way today. And uh, Lord, may you be honored and glorified. May lives be saved this morning, families put back together, folks healed. Lord, you do it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> of course, the, what they call Decoration Day started back three years after the Civil War. Uh, my brother and I probably, I don't know, maybe somebody else here has got an old family too, but our grandfather fought in the Civil War. Not, not my great-grandfather, but my grandfather fought in the Civil War. And so he was shot in the hip at Atlanta. I don't know if he was running or I'm, I'm hoping that the enemy was coming in on the backside of him and he got shot that way. I have no idea. I just know he got shot in the hip in the Battle of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so so the, three years afterwards, some ladies started putting flowers on the graves of some Confederate mothers. And uh, then they went on through Congress and they called it Decoration Day. A lot of cemeteries, Union Springs is meeting today where we're from up at Corrigan. And, and uh, they meet there uh, on Memorial Day and all of that weekend there. The Bible is full of memorials. And while we dare not forget the memorials of statehood, we dare not forget the, the memorials of our eternal home. Uh, one is going to help us here on this earth. Thank God for the men and women who gave their life so America could contain and be free. But thank God in heaven above that the people uh, are able to submit to a Lord and Savior who gave his life so we could have eternity uh, with him. Now, you've got the picture here in the scripture, the children of Israel, they've been to Egypt. Moses led them out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. God opens up the Red Sea. They go through on dry ground. And uh, then God closes it up, destroys the entire Egyptian army. And then Moses is going to die up on top of Mount Nebo. And uh, Joshua is made the predecessor of Moses. He comes after and he leads. And they've wandered in the wilderness now 40 years. Uh, there, there's been uh, 40 years they've been looking for the promised land. And uh, Moses did, and Mount Nebo, they buried him. Now the scripture says, Joshua, take my people across the Jordan River into Canaan. Now we don't hear a whole lot about the Jordan River because the Red Sea seems to be a lot more exciting. But I want to tell you, God did the same thing at the Jordan River that he did at the Red Sea. It's the same miracle. They took the Ark of the Covenant when they stepped in the water. You go back to chapter 3 of Joshua, and literally the waters stood up on heap. Now, I don't know, you know, we talked about this. It's been a long time ago. You can make hay stand on heap, and you can make bricks stand on heap, and you can make a lot of, but I've never seen anybody make water stand on heap. But that's exactly what God did here. Uh, and so he said, send the 12 men down there, get stones. They're good-sized stones. We're not talking about little rocks. They've got them on their back. They bring them up to Gilgal. And then uh, he said, go back again and take those 12 stones, get 12 more, and build an altar there in the middle of the Jordan River. Now I'm thinking, good grief, why would you build an altar in the middle of the Jordan River? When the water comes down, nobody's going to see it. It's going to be hidden. Oh, but I want to tell you, uh, that is literally uh, uh, what Jesus has done for us. You see, uh, uh, when you get these stones and uh, your children are asking, what mean these stones? You're able to tell them, God brought us out of Egypt. God brought us here. He crossed the, the uh, River Jordan with us. And let me tell you something, friend. Just because you can't see those stones in that Jordan River doesn't mean they're not there. 
I think they're still there. You say, what does that have to do with us today? Well, let me tell you. You cannot see Jesus hanging on a cross, but he did it. You can't see Jesus' blood flowing down that hill, but it did. You, you can't see Jesus being placed in a borrowed tomb, but he was. You can't see Jesus rising up from that tomb three days later, but he did. You can't see Jesus ascending into heaven 40 days later, but he did. Just because you can't see it don't mean it's not so. And so these stones represent Jesus. Listen, the scripture says in Psalm 103, hear the word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that was within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and, uh, and forget not none of his benefits. Here they are. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I want to tell you, don't forget the benefits of God. Is there anybody here this morning God's been good to? Amen. Hey, God has been good to this church. We go back and we see what God has done. Don't forget the benefits of God because God has done great things. He's been good to us. Uh, I was talking to some police officers here a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and uh, uh, when I was getting ready to leave the little area where we were, one of the police officers says, uh, 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 I, I want to ask you something. How do you do it week after week? How do you get up and preach week after week after week? How do you do that? And I said, well, you know, I'll answer your question. But my question to you, sir, is how do you get in that car every day and do what you do every day? Knowing that, I mean, you know, man, 20 years ago, somebody's speeding, they were doing 45. Uh, you know, that was speeding back then. Uh, you just wrote a ticket and went on. But these guys now who are serving our police and sheriffs and deputies and all, they have no idea what's in that car when they stop that car. I mean, they have no idea, no earthly idea. Now, I went on to tell him, I do what I do because of the grace of God and the mercy of God. That's the only way. And your prayers, that's the only way. But listen, it's all on God. He said, you stack up some stones and you never forget it. And uh, let me give you just three points. It's going to be short because we've got a lot of stuff to do today. But the first thing I see here that's pointed out is he says, remember, God is faithful. Remember, God is faithful. Uh, you shall inform your children saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you had crossed. It is God that made the way. God's been faithful. Now we're over in the 16th chapter of Joshua on our regular study, and we realize that it hadn't been the people of Israel who've been fighting these battles. It's been the Lord who's been fighting these battles. He's the one who's lined it all up. He's the one who's done it. And he said, don't forget when in the middle of the verse in 23, it said, he did it at the Red Sea. He did it at the Jordan River. He's faithful. Don't you forget it. Sometimes it's easy to forget. Sometimes we get spiritual amnesia in the church. And we've forgotten what God has done time and time and time again. 
and, and raised up people. And some of the problem is, is because I'm going to tell you, some of you think you're somebody, but I want to tell you in this room here today, uh, there's a bunch of sinners and crooks and drunks and self-sufficient, egotistical people. That's what we are in this room. And the only thing we got to brag on this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you take him out of the picture and you, you're nobody. I know that hurts your ego, but I'm just telling you, you're nobody. Huh. And honestly, the one who is more self-sufficient is probably the biggest sinner out of all of them. You remember in the Bible where he beat his chest and said, Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like they are. Wow. Woodland Hills can die as dead as a hammer if we ever forget where the blessings come from. They come from God. They don't come from a pastor. They don't come from smart planning. They don't come from ingenuity. They don't come from a, 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 a ability. They come from God. When we have baptism, it reminds us that Jesus died and rose again. When we have the Lord's Supper, it reminds us memorially that Jesus gave his body and the blood that flowed freely on Calvary. You say, preacher, I was wondering, why don't we do that every week? Well, I just have this crazy notion that if you do something every week, you get to where you don't celebrate it. It becomes happenstance. I mean, do you, do you get up in the morning and say, praise the Lord for toothpaste? I mean, you brush your teeth every morning. I hope you do. If you don't, carry you some of these things. Reach over and give one to your neighbor. Say, you probably need this. The kids are going to say, Daddy, what do these stones mean? Can't you see them walking through Gilgal? What do these stones mean? Son, these stones really sum it all up. means that God is faithful. God is faithful. Our forefathers were over in Egypt in bondage and sin and slavery, and God released them and saved them through the Red Sea. <laughs> I heard a preacher not far from here, and I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's going to get out anyway. I got up and left the service. A couple of preachers were there. They said, Notice you left. I said, Yeah, I was sick. I got sick. Just had to get out. I was sick of listening to that preacher is what it was. <laughs> I sat there in that place and heard this preacher say that there's no, there was no big fish that swallowed Joshua, uh, uh, Jonah. Well, that was metaphorically speaking. It's not there. And he went down through a couple other things. And I thought, Lord, I got to get out of here. If I don't get out of here, I'm going to sure enough make a fool of myself. Right here. You realize we've got churches that will not preach the word of God? That don't believe this word? <laughs> if we ever stop believing the miraculous words of this scripture, we're on our way out. People say, well, I just can't believe that. Well, God bless you. Who made you God? You're not God. Well, people say, well, I'm, I'm smart. And I've come up against some smart ones. I'm not real smart. They can, man, they can wipe me down, just flatten me out. And I just kindly say, well, one of these days, you're going to be dead smart. 
You're alive smart right now, but one of these days you're going to be dead smart. And when you're dead smart, based on your ideas right now, you're going to be dumb and you're going to be in trouble. That's all you can say. What do these stones mean? It means God's faithful. God's faithful. Let me give you the second thing. Joshua, don't forget. Don't forget that God is faithful. That's what these stones represent. But also, don't forget that the world is lost. People around us are lost. Nobody wants to own up to that anymore. Verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. The Girgashite, the Hivite, the Hittite, the Canaanite, that everybody in here would know, friend, that we live in a lost world. People are going to hell on every side of us. And we dare not let people walk in this church and walk out without being confronted with the gospel. I mean, it's one thing that we've gotten too lazy to go out and try to reach people. But bless God, at least when they come in a church, they ought to know they've been with Jesus. The Bible says we're the light. We're the salt. We're the witness. I love what Isaiah said. He was a Baptist. The Lord said, I've got things to do. Who am I going to send? Isaiah said, here am I, send me, Lord. Now, this is how I know he's Baptist. Lord, how long am I going to have to go? Huh? Read it in Isaiah. Lord, how long? I mean, are we talking about a week in Haiti? Or are you talking about moving me to Haiti? Woo! Yeah. You say, well, God would never move me to Haiti. Well, what makes you so special? We've got missionaries all over this world that have... Well, well, I've got children. We've got missionaries that kids have been born in Africa and India and all over this world. Who do we think we are that God can't touch us and use us in Haiti or India or Nepal, anywhere in this world? People are lost. They're without Christ. In, in August, we're going to have a major thing. I don't want to give it all away here. But we're going to have the most major uh, soul-winning campaign we've ever had in this church. Because people are lost without Christ. And I'm going to ask you to give up some Saturday mornings. And already somebody's saying, Lord, it's going to be hot in August. It's hot when you go watch the Aggies play too, but you still sit there. I could get a little deeper if I need to. You see, crossing the Red Sea... They're coming out of slavery. They're coming from slavery. They're from, amen? They've been delivered. But crossing the Jordan River, they've come from something from the Red Sea, but now they've been saved to something across the Jordan River. And that too is fulfillment of life. Holy Ghost-filled life. Most people I know, I have to throw myself in there too, uh, we're living in the wilderness. We got saved. We know we got saved. When did you get saved? I remember 1939, I got saved. Hallelujah, that's great. But you're still just a baby because no one's ever discipled you and you've never built that relationship with Jesus Christ <clears throat> and the Word of God and you've never really understood there's victory in Jesus. Man, I want to tell you, 
They lived in the wilderness 40 years. They all died. But when they crossed Jordan, they just got across Jordan to Gilgal. The first thing they did, the Bible says, was eat of the fruit of the land. No more manna. Now, before we get too tough, I know manna was self-sustaining and it is wonderful when you don't have nothing. Manna's all right. It's kind of like you go to the cabinet, going to make yourself maybe a good potted meat sandwich, but you don't have no potted meat. All there are sardines. They're not good, but if that's all you got, they're all right. But after 40 years of manna, they're eating of the fruit of the land. They've moved over into the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. And they started eating. The manna's gone. You'll find them walking here in the fullness of God's grace and mercy. My last thing, listen to me. You got to remember God is faithful. You got to remember that people are lost. I'm talking about your family, those who are lost. Do you know if Jesus comes right now, You'll never see them again. I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about people you work with. You'll never have another opportunity to witness to them. You say, well, preacher, if I witness to them, they get mad. That's wonderful. Most Christians in this place have gotten glad after they got mad. But you can't get glad till you get mad. You got to know you're lost in order to want to be saved. Third thing, you got to die to yourself. Who is this is tough. Die to yourself. We honor those today who've died in giving their life for our country. And, 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 and I know, you know, there, there's some things when you look at, at, at just being in a battle and a soldier gets killed, you, you know, that, that's, that's one thing to me. But I tell you, when you think about like the beaches of Normandy and, and know through history those guys have been mowed down just one after the other and they still kept coming off of those ships. They still kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. Why would they do that? Well, they were dying to themselves and saying, God, what you want, what this country wants, I'll be willing to do it. That's Memorial Day for the Christian. If you want to know Memorial Day for the, I mean, for the American, a Memorial Day for the Christian starts in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. See, many of you in this place today, you're saved. But the real truth is, sin's got you by the neck. You got just enough of Jesus to be miserable. Not living in the fullness. Some of you are angry at the church. Talk with people all the time. I'm mad at the church. Well, the church didn't do that to you. It's always one person. It's usually the preacher. Sometimes it's just because you're mean and want to be that way. You'll never have victory until you die to yourself. It really doesn't want. I was in a meeting Tuesday with some pastors, 
and, and just sharing some things. And we were going through all this stuff together. And one of the young men raised his hand and said, Brother Charles, I understand what you're talking about, but you're in a big church. You've got staff. You've got people who will work. You've got finances. You've got everything. And I said, do you think I've always had everything? Hey, I know what it's like to take a commode off at the floor and reach down in that thing and pull out a magazine that one of y'all's little nine-year-old kids has rammed down that toilet. I know, amen? I know what that's like. I know what it's like to mow the yard. I know, hey, quit telling me what you would do if you had something. I believe God wants to know what are we going to do with what we have. God has blessed us. And the thing we need to overcome is the victory of my life is not about me. It's about Jesus. When I die to myself, all I can do is clap my boots together in the morning and say, here's private reporting for duty. Whatever you have for me to do. Now, I've got a calendar that's already full. But I want to tell you, when God says do this, I just mark that calendar off. You ever had anybody tell you, I'd come to church, but I don't feel welcome? I just don't feel welcome. Hmm. Well, bless God, get over your feelings. It's not about your feelings. I, I, I didn't feel, let me tell you, if I walked by feeling, I wouldn't be here this morning. I woke up about 5.30 and I thought, I just need to call Brother Case and let him preach today. It's not on feelings. Uh-uh. You get in the Word of God and you read yourself full and you get on your knees and pray yourself full. And then God says, let's go burn. Let's go get them. It's not feelings. Go ahead and die, and you'll be all right. You'll be amazed at what Jesus would do if you'd go ahead and die. For me, it was as an eight-year-old boy, First Baptist Church, Corrigan, sitting on the third row during a revival meeting on Wednesday night. I gave my life to Jesus. But I want to tell you, nine years, 10 years, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, I was wandering in the wilderness. It wasn't until 17 that I got a hold of this concept about I've got to die to myself. I thought we're just supposed to do the best we can. That's what I've been told all my life. Do your best. No, you don't do your best. You die and let Jesus do his work. I'm crucified with Christ, Galatians says. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Boy, what a tremendous blessing. See, I don't do what I do to make you smile. I don't do what I do to make my wife happy or say, well done. I don't, I don't do that. Now, I'll be honest with you. I like it when you smile. And I like it when my wife grabs my hand in the car when we get out. She don't do it every Sunday, but occasionally. She'll say that was a good job. I like that. 
I like that. But I want to tell you, when you die to yourself, there's really only one that you're really concerned about. And that is, Lord, what do you think about today? What do you think about my life? What do you think about what I'm doing? What do you think about what I've got planned this week? Daddy, what do these stones mean? Your bottom line is this. We fear God more than we fear man. Hmm. There are times when I get in the flesh and say, God, I, I, I need to help you out. You ever been there? God said, just sit down over here and just take you. What is that, what is that he tells me to take? A Xanax. Sit down over there and take you a Xanax. Valium, it all works the same way. Just relax. God says, I've got this. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a mode to fight? And God said, just sit down over here and be quiet. Here you are having to walk around, wanting to fight. And God said, sit down over here and just, I'll take care of it. Don't you know when old Joshua said, Man, we're going to attack Jericho. Don't you know he said, get the horses and chariots ready. Sharpen up your spears and swords and get, the, get the, everything ready. We're going in for the kill. And suddenly God says, no, we're not going to do it that way. You're going to go down and march seven times, one time a day. On that seventh day, you're going to march seven times. And I'll take care of everything else. He said, say What? Your plan, God, is to march around that city? That's all you've got in your repertoire? God says, I'll take care of it. Remember that first point? God's faithful. He took care of it. <laughs> Gilgal is a place for recommitment, readjustment, revitalizations. Uh, man, we got to cross Jordan to get there. And then when we get there, We've got to disciple. We've got to understand why we're there. Listen, no, nobody in this building will convince me that Jesus died on a cross so you could get by in life. The scripture says he wants us to have not only just life, but abundant life. He wants you to be happy in life, joyful in life. And that will only come when you're dead to yourself and you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Gilgal means our approach, reproach has been removed. We're ready to enter the promised land. Hmm. Let me just close out with this one story I read about. I didn't even know this. Taj Mahal, one of the most beautiful, costly tombs that was ever built. Uh, Something fascinating. In 1629, the favorite wife, hallelujah, the favorite wife <laughs> of an Indian ruler, Shah Jahan, died. And he ordered that a magnificent tomb be built as a memorial for her. And so he, the, the, the Shah placed his wife's casket right there in the middle. And they started building the, the Taj Mahal all around her. It was going to be the most beautiful thing in all of the world. And literally, several years into the venture, 
his grief gave way to a passion for the project, and he just wanted to build the most beautiful building, magnificent building that had ever been built. One day while he was surveying the sites, he stumbled over a wooden box, and he had some workers take that wooden box and take it out and throw it out of the way. It was months before he realized that that was his wife's casket. The purpose for the memorial became useless because she wasn't there anymore. (laughs) She's out in a trash heap somewhere. Wow. I just want to caution you this morning on Memorial Day. For America, don't forget what God has done for America. God has blessed America. I'm not telling you America is righteous or any of that. I'm not telling you. I'm just telling you God has blessed America. He's been faithful to America. But on the spiritual side of it, don't forget that God has blessed you and me. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. You're saying, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of the Red Sea. I'm over here in Egypt. Well, let me tell you this. You can't build on discipleship unless, first of all, you get that foundation right. So the first thing you need to do is say, Lord, I come as a sinner, and I can't save myself. Nobody else can save me. Lord, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I don't know exactly what's up, but I'm telling you this. I want, to, want you to forgive me of my sin, and I'm dying to myself so that you can be my Lord. And you know what he'll do? <laughs> According to the Bible, not your feelings. I don't feel saved. That's all right. Get over it. According to Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of you need to do that this morning. Ought to be the first one down the aisle. Some of you this morning, though, you you know you're saved. You're just not living in the fullness that God wants you to live in. And that'll never happen until you bring your burdens and all of your egos and all of your self-motivation and lay it at the altar and say, Lord, I'm dead. You take me now and use me however you want to. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen when you do that. Could I go ahead and tell you? There are going to be some holy rollers in this church that are going to say, what an idiot. But I'll tell you what, remember, we're only trying to please one. We're not trying to please anybody in this church. I don't know about you, but I, and I thank God you pat me on the back and love me. I mean, you know, you love everybody. But I tell you, to hear my Savior say, well done, is where it's at. Would you bow your head, please? Lord, we're grateful you've given us this Sunday to worship. Thank you for how we've been blessed in the music. Our thoughts have been lifted up. And, Lord, thank you for those men and women who've given their life for this country. But at the same time, Lord, our hearts have been turned toward heaven. And we're reminded again today of what you've done for us. And it's not just everyday business. Lord, you save. You want to save people today. Lord, would they come and and you save them. Lord, there are others here that just need to, to, to say, I want to live in the fullness of my life, salvation. Only through Christ can we do that. So God, I ask you, 
have your way right now. I pray for Christians that they'll lead the way. These altars would be full of people who'd be praying. Lord, maybe some daddies who's got some little bitty children. Maybe they need to come down and say, Lord, my kids one of these days are going to say, Daddy, why are we going to church? Why, why are people being baptized? Why do we pray? Why is all this happening? Oh, dear Daddy, you better be ready to answer that because that future of that child rests on that. Lord, have your way today. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Two, amen. <laughs> what a blessing to be here today. Let me just uh, also, Dad just came up and uh, remember Taylor Mallory. Uh, he'll be deployed to Syria, I think, in three weeks. Let's just stop and and uh, have prayer. Brother Mark Kirkendall, would you just lead us in prayer for not only Taylor, but all of the guys who are, are, are in place?